So in our first episode, we are going to talk about localization. And Explain to me the, the W. What, what, what is the W coordinate? I, I understand X, Y, Z. What is W? So in the, in the car, if you're, on the, if you're on the highway, you want to make sure that you're, you take the right turn. And that's, uh, that's the same with mobile robots. So you want to make sure that they drive, uh, they reliably reach their destination. So they take the right, uh, the right path at the right time. And you need to know uh, where you are to make that uh, decision as a robot. Welcome to the Mobile Robot Directory Podcast, your guide to the world of autonomous mobile robots and automated guided vehicles. Join us as we explore the latest in mobile robotics with industry experts offering insights and tips for enthusiasts, professionals, and newcomers alike. Yeah, welcome ladies and gentlemen to the first episode ever of the Mobile Robot Podcast. My name is Emil Jensen. And my co-host here is Javier Migueles. Welcome, Javier. Hello, good morning, and a happy new year. <laughs> happy new year. Emil, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be here in the first ever um, Mobile Robot uh, Podcast. Uh, my pleasure to, to accompany you today. It's, it's fantastic, Javier. We, we, the two of us has known each other for, I think, several years now. We never actually met face to face. I think that's part of the story. No, true. But we, we, we known each other, we work together, and now we have a chance to start this, uh, the mobile robot directory together. Uh, and this is our first podcast. So, so I think this is, this is really exciting time for me. We also have a very, very exciting guest speaker today. So, I want to welcome uh, Vincent Burke from Axirion. Welcome, Vincent. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on this uh, from the, uh, on this podcast. Um, and congratulations on the on the first uh, episode, of course. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, Javier, what what are we talking about today in in our first episode? So, in our first episode, we are going to talk about localization, and um, well, it's uh, I think the basis of uh, of uh, mobile robotics today, and uh, I think the most important way uh, to to start this podcast would be with the definition of localization. So, what is localization? And uh, at least uh, from my side, when we are talking about localization, uh, we are talking about knowing where we are. And uh, where means uh, usually four coordinates, X, Y, Z, and W. Most uh, most of the cases we can only use the three the, the the three first ones, so X, Y, and Z. But in some cases we need the W, and the W is the, is the turning. Uh, this is uh, quite common. For example, explain to me the the W. What what, what is the W coordinate? I, I understand X, Y, Z. What is W? Uh, the W is the um, uh, so what direction or what sense I am facing. I am facing. For example, it's not the same uh, being X, Y, Z, uh, but uh, looking at north than looking at east or west. So that is the turning. The way I am looking at. So the way the way I am heading. And uh, the W is, is quite important, uh, for example, for uh, forklift uh, more, more rewards, uh, because, well, the, the, the way you place the pilot can be more to, well, turn more to the north or more to the east. So it's, it's an, an important coordinate as well. Some people forget it, but uh, remember that uh, in most of the cases in, in model robotics, we have four coordinates, X, Y, Z, and W. All right. So, so why why is localization an important thing to to understand when when you are buying mobile robots? Uh, 
how does it impact the capabilities of the robot and so on? So uh, I always make an analogy with uh, cars. So when you're driving a car, you you need to know where you are uh, because you want to go somewhere. And if you want to go somewhere, you start from where you are, right? So you, you need to define a route. And the route starts at the beginning and it ends at the end, obviously. So uh, you need uh, the coordinates for, for the start point and for the destination point. So that's why it is important. You need to know where you are, so that you can uh, that you can face the the route ahead. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good uh, analogy. Yeah, so in the in the car, if you're on the if you're on the highway, you want to make sure that you're you take the right turn, and that's uh, that's the same with mobile robots. So you want to make sure that they drive, uh, they reliably reach their destination, so they take the right uh, the right path at the right time. And you need to know uh, where you are to make that uh, decision as a robot. Mm. Yeah, um, there, there is another analogy much used, which is that we are talking about localization for cars, but we are talking for guidance uh, about guidance for rails, for railways, so for trains. And these are two different concepts. Uh, on one side, you have localization. This means that you always know where you are. And on the other hand, uh, on the other side, you have uh, you have guidance. And this is, for example, the, the case of trains is is uh, is very interesting. Why? Because you're going from point A to point B, but you don't know where you are in between point A and point B. And you don't care because you are just following the rails. So that's what makes a difference. In, in the case of localization, you always know where you are. You always know your coordinates. In the case of guidance, you only know the start and the destination. You don't know where you are in between. And it's not important. It's not really important. So if you're, if you're going from Paris to Berlin with a, with a train, you don't care where, where you are in between. So the only important thing is that to know the start and to know the destination. On the other hand, when you're going to localization, it's important where you are all the time. For example, it would be impossible in Paris or in Berlin or in London to go from the origin to the destination uh, with uh, only uh, um, with only um, guidance. You would need a localization with a car for sure. So, so let me see if I understand this uh, correctly, Javier. The guidance is a similar concept like a train on a track. You know that you are between two stations, but you don't really care exactly where you are on the track. And the localization, we can think about it as the GPS signal for a car that tells us exactly the coordinates of where we are. For GPS, it's a global positioning system. And I guess for mobile robot, it's positioning system within the defined space that the robot is in. Um, is that correct? That is correct. In fact, GPS is, is a localization technology. Okay, so so let 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 let's go through a little bit. What are the uh, the guidance technologies? Where did we came from, come from with with AGVs and and so on? And and what are the the new technologies that are being used today? Now, I think actually, so you mentioned rails, and I think the first uh, AGV, if I recall correctly, is actually was rail operated. Uh, I'm a little too uh, too young to uh, remember it myself, but it was in 1953, I think, a company called Barrett. They uh, made the what is it, Guide-O-Matic, I think they called it. That's uh, that was actually uh, on uh, on rails, I think, for paper paper industry or something like that. Yeah, that was the the first uh, mobile robot ever, in fact. Yeah, and it was um, it was rail guided. Yeah, the first uh, the first mobile robots in history were were rail guided. Or mechanically guided. Maybe they were, it was not a rail like uh, we are thinking about a train. 
it was uh, um, a different kind of mechanical guidance, but uh, the, the first uh, models were were mechanical mechanical guided. Um, apart from the the this mechanical guidance, we have uh, mainly three others, which are uh, wire guidance, uh, magnetic guidance, and optic optic guidance. From these three, uh, uh, let's say that wire guidance you cannot see it anymore in new deployments. In old ones, you can find some still. Optic guidance is not that common, but in in clean rooms and very particular industries, for example, in narrow space, and magnetic guidance is still really common in automotive industry. You can discuss later why. So um, uh, for sure, there are uh, guidance applications today, but uh, they are less and less common uh, because, uh, well, uh, the flexibility that you have with localization is much greater. So today, uh, most most of the mobile robots deployed are using localization technologies, no longer guidance technologies. So I was I was going to ask: Is uh, so code tape? Would you also consider that as guidance or more as a, as localization? Maybe splitting hairs, but uh, can you repeat that? Sorry. So the, you have this tape that basically has QR codes uh, uh, on it. Would you consider that as guidance or localization? This is that that is a localization, in fact, because you are localized all the time. You know where you are all the time, so that's the localization. You mean the the QR code strip, right? Uh, the QR code uh, tape, but you're always localized. You're always localized. Hmm. Yeah. So so I was just uh, thinking, what are the the new things that are enabled by going from symbol guidance to to localization with the X Y Z B W coordinates? What what capabilities do we get uh, with these new technologies? So um, I think that the most important capability that we are getting here is the flexibility. So you are, so if if you're working with a guidance, you need to change the reference, the guidance reference, uh, when, when you need to add a route and when you need to modify the the route. And um, with uh, the the good thing with the localization technologies in many cases is that you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. This is the first thing, and uh, the second thing, and I think that um, that uh, this is interesting as well, is that being always localized can help to know where the mobile robot really is. So, for example, in the case of the train that we were mentioning before, um, you don't care if you are in between, but in some cases you need to know if the train has had a problem, and you need to know where the train is. So, uh, localization helps uh, problem solving for sure. Uh, it helps find the robot. I, I could imagine that you can achieve pretty much the same thing as you have with the, the guidance and the magnetic lines and so on. You can achieve that also with with SLAM localization, right? So so you, you're switching to a, a more flexible technology, but you can still have your, your, your software guides, if you will, right? And That's it. That's it. Um, there are, well, some people say that uh, guidance is uh, like easier from a programming perspective, which it is uh, for sure. But uh, the main disadvantage is that it is uh, too fixed. It's not flexible uh, at all. So when you need to make a change, you have to take out of the, the magnetic tape and place a new one. And that is cost and that is time for sure. And uh, regarding the, the modifications with uh, localization technologies, uh, well, are much easier, let's say so. 
not from the programming point of view, but uh, most of the cases from uh, from a physical point of view. And so, so also from a pro programming point of view, I would say, because it's not just about the time it takes to to add more tape on the floor to go to a new position. It's also the fact that the the robot, the old traditional guided robot, is is kind of dumb, right? It, and and in order to to change the path and the lines, you have to actually reprogram it because it's it's just a, go to this position, wait for five minutes, go to the next position, and so on. So so a, with the localization and the map and everything being in software, I think you get the ability to deploy much quicker and also make changes much quicker than than not not just the time it takes to stick the tape and remove the tape, but really uh, programming the robots become also a lot easier. For a large amount of robots, that is correct. For a small numbers, it is not. Uh, I'm saying this because, uh, well, as, as you were explaining, Emil, uh, when when you have uh, when you have a guidance, um, you have an PLC architecture, so it's pretty simple, and almost everybody can program that. When you are going for localization, this means IT, and so many people, well, they are not that uh, skilled in IT programming, and uh, well, you need much more training. Um, so anyway, for for a small number of uh, of mobile robots, maybe magnetic tape uh, guidance is easier from a programming point of view. But when you go to I don't know twenty or thirty or ten, forget about it. It's going to be much uh, much easier to program uh, a localized AGV than a guided AGV uh, mobile robot. Yeah, I was going to say this this flexibility. I think it's becoming increasingly uh, uh, more important, both in manufacturing and in uh, in logistics. It's at least something that we've seen over the past years that people are increasingly looking for solutions that can be easily uh, expanded, changed, optimized over time. Uh, yeah, and then you always involve some form of route uh, routing updates. Um, so it's, I think it's becoming increasingly important in the in the market. Agree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, flexibility and modularity are key today. So, uh, you know, actually, you don't know what your needs will be tomorrow. So uh, you need to be able to modify anything in a fast, really fast and easy way. So flexibility and modularity are key for more robotics. That's that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's also a bit of the, the, the traditional way is uh, using uh, conveyor belts and all kinds of infrastructure that was very fixed. Uh, yeah, and it's the promise for mobile robots is to get away from that and become uh, much more flexible and scalable uh, over time, up and down. Yeah, and I think this uh, uh, this really uh, this really uh, shows and fulfills the uh, the needs. Yeah, in fact, uh, one of the uh, well, one of the main advantages of mobile robotics or mobile robots in general is that uh, you can move them from one facility to the other very easily. Uh, go with a conveyor to move them; it's going to be crazy, right? So um, yeah, that, the flexibility again is a key feature of mobile robotics. So if, if you increase, if you are able to increase the, the flexibility of your mobile robot by using localization, better for the customer. That's true. That, uh, that's why actually we have seen a boom in localization technologies for the last uh, ten years. Uh, that's that's a reality. You know much uh, about that, Vincent. I'm sure. Yeah, Vincent. I was I was going to ask you. Within this uh, category of technologies that we call localization, there, there's a lot of flavors, and then maybe you can tell us a little bit about what are all the different ones that, that we can encounter. So I think there's a, the, the, like you said, there's quite a, quite a list. 
Um, yeah, so besides the uh, besides the guidance technologies, of course, but if you look at the the, the localization technologies, I think there's uh, three main categories. So one is that is uh, using some infrastructure in the environment, usually uh, uh, with, with reflectors and a, and a lidar scanner, um, or uh, or magnetic uh, transponders in the in the floor. And as a second category, I think is the, the QR codes, the QR tags on the on the floor or data matrix, um, which basically when robots drive from uh, tag to tag, uh, more, mostly used in in e-commerce and larger sortation and uh, goods to person applications. And finally, there's the the real, uh, yeah, I call them free navigating solutions, like uh, uh, that are that are mostly uh, based on the SLAM or that use some form of natural features in the environment uh, basically they use all the sensing and technology that's on the robot to localize themselves within uh, an environment uh, with the most important point there is that the environment shouldn't or doesn't need to be uh, changed for the uh, for the operation or at least mostly not yeah and then yeah i think what we've seen the last uh, especially five years uh, the lidar slam has become the yeah, the de facto, uh, I think, market leader uh, or market leading technology there uh, uh, that's now being used today. So lidar slam, you say, is is the market leader and the and the new de facto. So so does that mean that that that's all I need to care about and I should use lidar slam for everything, or is there justification that we have all these different uh, technologies? Are there something that they each are are better at, or, or how should I? How should I go ahead and, and decide on technologies as, as a buyer and a customer? What, what should I be looking for? Okay, I'm, I'm going to answer that one. I'm gonna, I, sorry, Vincent, this is for me. I'm going to keep it. Uh, um, any technology that we have mentioned here has limits. And uh, 2D SLAM, 2D LIDAR SLAM, uh, or LIDAR SLAM, or any other SLAM, or any other technology has limits. Particularly, the, the problem with the 2D LIDAR SLAM is the environment. So um, the 2D library Islam actually is the one that we can that we can have at home with uh, this uh, Roomba and uh, all these cleaning robots. So that's it's a common technology and much used. The main problem comes when you don't have references. And uh, just taking the Roomba example, uh, if you don't have walls at home, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. And if you have so many people around the mobile robot working, it's not going to work. And if you have a changing environment so for example that you have walls but these walls are changing every day it's not going to work it's not going to work particularly you can find all those um, requirements in automotive industry so if you go to automotive industry you will see that there are no walls people are working around and the few references that can be fixed may change every day so that's one of the reasons why it's very difficult to see uh, slam technologies working in automotive industry and why they are using magnetic tape today so um, it's not like uh, Islam technologies are, um, are are good for any kind of application that is not correct and it's important to take that into account and um, actually uh, one of the reasons why the Axirian technology that I think uh, Vincent uh, will have to explain it uh, is a, a really interesting technology is because it can work it, it is a localization which is not using the environment and that makes a difference, definitely. Vincent, I guess that you can explain more about uh, the Axirian technology and how it works. 
Yeah, of course. So um, yeah, so we uh, we build a technology that's uh, that localizes using uh, also using natural features. Uh, so like any SLAM technology, but we instead of using the natural features in anything that goes around the, the robot, so things that change often, we use uh, the natural features of the floor to navigate. So we built a, a technology that uh, is able to uh, to recognize where it is, to, def uh, to define its location based on basically looking at pictures of the, uh, of the floor. And to do that, of course, it's, uh, it takes a lot of uh, software, uh, and we've built it into a product that we call uh, call Triton that can be added uh, to mobile robots, to uh, existing mobile robots, or to uh, or to new standalone or, uh, or, or integrated in a, in a stack. Um, and yeah, you're right. With it, since we look down at the floor, we over we overcome some of the limitations that uh, these natural feature, the other natural feature based uh, solutions have. Since uh, everything can move, everything can uh, it can be wide open areas, ramps, dark lights. For us, it doesn't matter as long as we can uh, see the floor. We can uh, uh, we can localize. Okay, so so hold on a second, uh, <laughs> Winston. Let let me understand this because the the two D lidar slam. I can kind of understand that the robot is looking around and it's seeing all the things in its environment, and that's also how I get around. Right, I look around, I see what is there. And then I know where I am. Uh, but you're saying you're looking at the floor, and I cannot find my way around by looking at the floor. So, so there is there is something going on here. Well, what exactly are you looking at, and 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 how does that work? Yeah. So if you look at the the floor, I don't know what's uh, uh, probably in the floor of your uh, your office as well. If you look at the floor, uh, you will see, uh, yeah, like a microstructure in that floor. So it's uh, I always compared a little bit to uh, to your fingerprint. So there's uh, you can you can recognize these say unique fingerprints uh, in the floor if you uh, if you have our software of course. Um, since we look at so we can analyze pictures while driving, and based on what we see, we can link that uh, to a, one of these fingerprints that we have already have in our uh, in the database on the on the device. And once we recognize it, we give out uh, the position. So that means that the, the the floor is so at the way the way we look at it. Of course, it took some uh, some development to get that uh, to get that uh, right. Quite some development, but the way we look at it, the floor is unique enough uh, locally to use it for uh, uh, for localization. So so let me let me make sure I understand this. You have floor fingerprints, which, if I understand correctly, it's a specific piece of the floor that has a unique fingerprint, and then you can drive from fingerprint to fingerprint, which reminds me of the QR code, right? So it's it's kind of the the thing that you have, you, you're put, driving from picture to picture, and you know what picture you are on top of, and, and that's how you can localize, but you don't have to deal with sticking all the codes and maintaining all the codes and, and, and all the hassle that comes with QR codes. Is, is that how I should understand it? Um, yes, uh, that's essentially what it uh, what it is. Um, and then uh... it has it has an advantage, I have to say. So ab apart from what uh, Vincent has mentioned, uh, there, there was a surprise uh, for me, uh, like uh, six or one, no, six months ago or twelve months ago, is that they are updating every day the pictures that they are taking from the floor. So it's like updating every day the fun the, the finger the, the the fingerprint. So um, this means that no matter if your floor changes. 
they update it. So this is this is a problem that you can face. Uh, so you were mentioning in uh, Emil, uh, this is a, a problem that you can face with QR codes that they are damaged after time. They are damaged. In their case, they are updating the picture of the floor every day. So this means that you don't have you are not facing that problem at all. Okay, so so this is this is it sounds very robust to me. It sounds like you you get around the issues of no walls and uh, all the chaos that is happening in the automotive plant, uh, but you also get around the weaknesses of, of QR codes and, and the, the maintenance of that. You have a software solution, basically. Uh, what about a free navigation and uh, behaving like an AMR? Does this, does this technology work if I want to do obstacle avoidance and not stay on a specific path? Um, yeah, absolutely, and it all depends on how you uh, uh, how you build the map. So, in the in the simplest way, uh, we we simply follow a line of uh, uh, of fingerprints. That's a line guidance. It's like a guidance technology. Uh, we actually, have one of our customers who's very successful with that. Uh, but in most cases, we want to build a uh, like a grid map, which means that we have a a grid of lines, usually one or two meters apart. Uh, that's uh, essentially becomes the invisible uh, navigation grid. So then every time you cross one of these lines, you get uh, correction up, uh, localization updates. As long as you can uh, drive in that uh, in that operation every meter or every two meters, uh, you uh, you get your uh, yeah, millimeter level accuracy uh, localization updates, and you can use that for uh, for navigation. Now, what we don't do, of course, we don't look forward. We look down, so we don't look forward. So if there is an obstacle, you need your safety system, your safety lidar to, uh, to give the data back. Uh, but what we can do is once you, in your navigation system, know, oh, that's a place where there's a new uh, obstacle, uh, we can still, uh, yeah, we can support driving around it. Um, my question would be, well, so we were, saying, we were saying before, or I was saying before, actually, that all technology has a limit or has limits. Where are the limits of uh, accident technology, Vincent? Yeah, so we use, uh, since we look, the, we use the floor micro texture to navigate, uh, we need a textured floor. Um, yeah, and that means so we built it originally for concrete, so basically all concretes work. But then on the other, on the other extreme of the spectrum, there are, uh, yeah, they're very brand new uh, white epoxy floors, or the, in, uh, uh, for instance, in China, there's a, there's a, uh, a green type of epoxy that is just very shiny and very featureless. Yeah, that's that's where it doesn't work. So we have to have a uh, we need texture on the floor to navigate. Um, but yeah, we see in practice uh, we can predict it pretty uh, pretty uh, uh, very good. And it's a simple test with a uh, with a triton if there's a if there's doubt. And we've got procedures in place to uh, uh, yeah to uh, to make sure that we can support the, the operations. What about outdoor? Yeah, outdoor interesting. So, uh, uh, so there's uh, outdoor. It it will uh, it will work outdoor, uh, but since outdoor you uh, we don't have the elements under control. Um, uh, if if there's a, if there's a snowstorm, if there's a, a, like sand on the on the floor, if there's mud rain. Uh, there's basically the, the the rate of change is so high that our algorithms can't uh, simply uh, pick it up. So that's why we, we choose to stay indoors. There's plenty of work indoors in our industry, as you as you will uh, <laughs> as you will uh, 
as you will uh, as you will agree. Uh, but who knows? Maybe I think it's an interesting uh, space where a lot of uh, interesting things are, uh, are happening, and one of the also one of the interesting uh, places where our industry will will go to in the coming in the coming weeks. So who knows? But uh, at the moment, officially, it's not uh, it's not uh, not supported. Not supported. Uh, we have talked a lot about a lot about indoor uh, indoor localization, but outdoor localization is pretty interesting as well. Um, so. Um, well, using these lamp technologies, for example, for outdoor, uh, is quite uh, risky. Let's say so, because uh, well, you can be affected by rain. So um, just using the the Roomba example that we were mentioning before, uh, with Roomba, uh, when you're at home, the Roomba can see can can see the walls around, and the same happens outdoor. But when it starts raining, maybe you don't see the walls anymore, and that happens. So um, in, in my experience, using Islam localization for outdoor well, uh, is difficult. It's difficult and risky and risky. So that's uh, why other technologies such as uh, GPS, RTK, or the, the differential GPS are, are widely uh, well, well they're widely used. Uh, nevertheless, there are limits uh, to that uh, to those technologies as well. And uh, it's uh, I can say that there is no clear solution for an outdoor localization today. So though most of the people go for RTK, uh, you, you, or RTK GPS, you can find really uh, many problems with that. So it's not a solution that can work 100% or even 90% of the time. Um, I don't know, Emil, if we have still time to go or to dive a little bit into the, the problems that uh, we are facing uh, outdoors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we. I also want to get back to to Vincent, and and I want to hear about how you came up with this idea. It, it's quite unique, but let, let let let's let's round up on the on the localization, right? Because the question then is, who is the winner, and what do I choose as as a user, right? So it's it, if I if I can try a little bit to think about this, I would say that outdoor heavier. You're talking about a. There is no clear choice right now. There are multiple different technologies. Maybe you can explain more about with how to choose between them. And then indoor, it seems to me that that uh, it's it's a trade-off between the the flexibility of localization system versus the robustness of traditional you know magnetic tape just works and you don't have to care about what is changing around you and so on. And and then you have uh, new technologies like like what what do we call your technology by the way, Winston? What what's the name of it? Yeah, we call it uh, texture vision. Texture vision, right? So 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 this this to me seems like it has a really good mixture of not being dependent on seeing the world around you and recognizing things in the world because that can be challenging, uh, but also not being you know infrastructure based you don't have to change your environment and so on and and then the limitations as i got them for 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 the texture vision technology is that that on certain very shiny floors uh, it, it can have some challenges but is is it fair to say that it works on on most industrial floors or uh, do you have like a percentage or how should we think about it yeah, that's uh, uh, that's uh, that's tough, of course, because it's kind of an open question, like how many how many floors exist. But we see in in most uh, in most common industrial applications, it's not a it's not a problem. Um, and yeah, there's a uh, yeah. So uh, concrete always uh, any texture uh, any textured floors 
and uh, if there's any doubt then we have a quick way to uh, to measure it and then we find that in practice that uh, that's uh, that's sufficient and it's uh, yeah and for us it's going to be the uh, yeah we of course ultimately we want to support every single uh, uh, every single floor but uh, that's going to be a longer term uh, project and yeah anything you can add on on what 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 do we need to think about as when we go out and select the robots right i want to I want to buy robots for my project. What are the, the key things I need to think about in terms of, of localization or guidance? So I would say that if, if you go for indoor applications, you have today mainly mainly four options um, divided into two. The first one, which is the SLAM, widely used, as long as the environment doesn't change, I insist. And then if your environment is changing, you can use QR codes, you can use magnetic tape, or you can use Axirian technology. Um, the good thing is that Axirian technology can work on any. So um, most probably Axirian technology will end up replacing uh, the QR codes and the magnetic tape. That's my point of view. So in the future, we'll have only SLAM and Axirian technology. Uh, if you go if you go for outdoor, the, the well the discussion there there is much well it's much broader. Um, but uh, either you go for RTK or you go for magnetic tape or you have really few options. So these two, I would say, um, this is what we have in the market right now. So I, I repeat again, uh, for indoor, you can go for a slam uh, in case that you have a non-changing environment, or you can go for uh, QR codes, magnetic tape, or Axirion if uh, your environment is changing. And if you go for outdoor, then magnetic tape or RTK. Um, this is generally speaking the, 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 the landscape of technologies that, uh, that are being used today. All right. F thanks, Javier. That, that's actually super, super helpful. So, so my, my final question before we, we wrap up is, is for you, Vincent. Uh, this is just a super fascinating technology. I, I don't think I could have come up with the idea of fingerprinting the, the, the microstructures in the floor. Uh, tell us a little bit about the story behind this technology and, and the company itself. Yes, it actually started with, uh, with a research project in, uh, in automotive. Um, they, uh, there was a need for a, to, to measure the, say the, the pose, so the, the X, Y, and the W, uh, Javier, for you, on the, uh, on the road. And, yeah, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, and W, so there are four. Yeah, in this case, yeah, so no, it's uh, three out of the four, so X, Y, and heading. That was the, the, the key thing to measure. <laughs> And, uh, and this was done actually by the, the, the original founder of, the, uh, of the, the technology. So he needed a way to measure that, uh, the, the, the pose of the car during, uh, during corners. And he, uh, he, he basically took, to get, uh, took apart an optical mouse and tried to figure out if he could use that, uh, that data for that. Well, it seemed to, uh, to work. Uh, and then, uh, then he got the idea, like, could we, could we apply this also in, uh, in robots in some way? And uh, that's around the time that uh, uh, that I also joined us about eight years ago. Initially, we started looking at a uh, uh, at a robot to feed cows. Uh, that's actually that's a uh, it's a pretty big uh, it's a pretty big uh, 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 market. In uh, basically, it's uh, bringing the cow feed to the to the cow so that the farmer doesn't have to do it. Uh, but we quickly found that it was a quite a difficult uh, market to gain uh, uh, to enter. And then we uh, we basically pivot to uh, to a market that seemed to be uh, growing very fast and still is actually, and that's the intro logistics market and focusing not on building a robot but on the technology which we found was actually the the core asset at the time. Um, yeah, and that turned out to be quite a good uh, uh, yeah quite a good 
quite a good approach. And initially, we actually only uh, we only uh, found the, the core of the, uh, of the technology a little bit later because we had this optical mouse technology which just tracks. Yeah, so you can put it anywhere and then it tracks its uh, its distance. And we needed a way to calibrate that uh, that tracking. Uh, and then we found that, of course, through uh, many trials and errors, that we could actually not only track, but we could also uh, measure the exact position. And initially, this was only idea, the idea to use this only for calibration of the of the signal. And then later, that turned out to be uh, become our, I say, the core of our of our product. Uh, and of course, so this is uh, over eight years. We made many iterations around, uh, uh, like. What exactly is what we want to bring to the market? What exactly the key challenges are today? Uh, and this turns out to be uh, yeah, what's uh, our core uh, our core focus now. So that's uh, a little bit of the of the backstory of how we came here from cars to cow feeding to uh, localization and intro logistics. <laughs> yeah, that, that's quite a that's quite a pivot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I am a believer of your technology, Vincent. Really, I think uh, uh, for indoor, it's uh, it's a game changer. Really, it's a great technology. And as we see, uh, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Slam. Now, I think the the two D Slam that will stay for uh, for quite a long while, especially since uh, uh, it's pretty much the only technology that can use uh, that can support safe uh, like safe operation. Um, yeah, and so in addition to what we now actually see quite a few projects where we are, uh, uh, where we basically support SLAM systems to uh, to operate even in complex uh, complex environments. So yeah, I hope uh, I think we're on uh, on a good uh, on a good track. Um, yeah, so and I hope we'll make a real a real impact in the in the market with what we uh, what we do. So, so Vincent, if if our listeners want to to learn more about Exeria uh, and where where can they find you? Um, so, uh, yeah, of course, in the major uh, the major trade shows, Logimat is coming up. That uh, will be uh, in the the hall with all the AGV manufacturers, uh, but also simply uh, online on uh, exerian.tech. That's our uh, our website. Uh, and then I'm always uh, happy to uh, to get in touch and uh, learn about new uh, new projects or solutions that we can. Maybe support. Wonderful, uh, and a big thank you, Vincent, for for being the the first guest on on our mobile robot podcast, and and a thank you to to Javier, and a thank you to all the listeners for tuning in, and and this is a wrap of the first episode of the mobile robot podcast. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you too. It's been a real honor to be here as the as the first guest. Much appreciated. You have been listening to the Mobile Robot Directory podcast. Each month on the podcast. Our two host and co-founders, Emil Jensen and Javier Miguelas, talk to industry experts and take a deep dive into a specific subtopic within mobile robotics. If you haven't already, do check out the mobile robot directory at www.mobile-robots.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you in the next episode.